mixed media music. All right, welcome to mixed media music, where today we will be arguing with Reddit.、Uh, we're going to be doing a quick round of arguing with Reddit because if you're watching the live show, we have gone pretty late, haven't gotten to my segment yet. So yeah, we'll we'll be keeping it as quick as I as I can.、Um, if you are new to this podcast, arguing with Reddit is where、um, I always、oh, want one. one、uh, Hot take that I selected for myself, but the other、uh, hot takes from Reddit or other places on the internet,、um, my co-hosts have found for me. I I don't know what they are. They're going to present them to me, and you get hear my thoughts on controversial things on the internet related to music, of course. All right. So、uh, this one, first one, is from Nathan. So if Nathan, you want to give us a, a lowdown. Uh. What did I even send? <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to get a bit close to read this.、Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it says,、uh, if some classical music masterpieces were released today, do you think that they would still be considered revolutionary and great? Yeah, that's pretty much the old gist. There's not really any <laughs> much more to say to it. I think there's a specific piece that's referenced,、um, but I don't think it's really relevant. Just、um, yeah, if yeah. you look at it, it mentions Beethoven's Ninth Symphony.、Yeah. Um, okay, well. That's a two-part answer. Revolutionary. I can't think of anything that would be anything that you know is is fairly old. That if it were if it someone composed it today would be revolutionary because that's just how music works. You know, like how any kind of human progress works. You know, I mean, it's been done and it's been built on. So if you if it hadn't been there, but like all the Stuff that came off of you know was built off the foundation, even if the foundation didn't exist, right? Like the the, the building existed, and then you give us the foundation now.、Uh, would it be revolutionary? No, it would be anachronistic.、Um, like if you look at the example of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, what's what's interesting about it?、Um, like on, on a structural or on a、um, you know in, in level of like what's so different about it?、Uh, length? Nope. Lots of symphonies are longer. Use of choir, nope. Lots of symphonies have choir. These, you know, been written by have choir.、Uh, does he use some? Well, the big. He mostly starts adding instruments in his fifth symphony. With the, he adds piccolo and trombone, but they feature very prominently in the ninth symphony.、Um, innovative? No, those are absolutely standard instruments now. Does he do some cool things compositionally? Yes, but are they radical? No. Um, would they still be considered great? Well, you have to ask yourself, what is the quote-unquote market for quote-unquote classical music these days,、uh, which is pretty much zero? Okay, so in that sense, no, nobody really like the pop, public is not going to care about it,、uh, even if Beethoven writes the symphonies today. No, would they still be of the same quality? Yes. Um, would some people like them? Yes, but do we? There is so much history in this. We could go on for a very long time, but I will not go into this. We could go into the history, you know, reception history and the institutional, you know, the institutionalization of、um, classical music and the and the、uh, the way in which you know institutions of music have become arbiters of taste and creators of a repertoire.、Um, so, but that doesn't really exist anymore. You know, yes, the average person can probably name Beethoven, but if Beethoven were alive today and writing music, would the average person learn who that is? 
No. Does the average person know someone who writes, you know, nice tonal music today other than John Williams? Uh, no. The average person doesn't know someone like Ala Pavlova. No, they don't. So my answer would be no. They would probably not be considered great other than by the people who listen to them, which is very small, very small number of people. Yeah, a pretty direct answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, since we're going fast, let's pull up the next one. So this one is from Producer Wife. So let's see. Here it is. And so it says, historical musicology should be taught to children and teenagers in grade school. And then there's a whole paragraph. I believe that by actively learning about the lives of the composers and listening to their works, children should have should, children would have a better understanding on how music is an ongoing evolutionary story with many chapters that continue to inspire future generations and may include possible uh, include possibly themselves. And then it would be imp- uh, imperative that children know about the different time periods in music. I believe it's crucial that they know the difference from Baroque to uh, classicism, medieval, and Renaissance. So uh, that's it fits pretty well with the last one. So <laughs> that's this person's take. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I you know I really wasn't aware that this wasn't a, a big thing, um, but apparently it's really not uh, in 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 schools. Um, there are a lot of, you know, like schools will have their like musical, you know, the music class and just kind of like fundamentals of music and you play your recorder. And interestingly enough, that's not exactly. So th- this is actually kind of important for me because that's how I got into music in, in well, maybe not music necessarily in general, but certainly into classical music, quote unquote, classical music. It was because, you know, my, my, um, I went through K through eight school. Um, we had a music class that did both of these things. It was a combination of like, yeah, you know, here's how to read like basic rhythms. Here's how to play a recorder, but also like we spent you know each year talking about like baroque composers and like on a, an incredibly surface level, you know, about this stuff. But what did I have a sense of like these time periods and who like the top, you know? 10 composers, you know, whoever, whatever that means, but like the 10 most famous composers are. Yes. Um, and what actually kind of got me into classical music it was a very specific moment in my life when that happened. Um, we were talking about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. So, you know, going back to the last, uh, last hot take, uh, we were talking about it in class and we obviously we were mostly talking about the last, only talking about the last movement, right? The, you know, quote unquote, ode to joy, right? I'm using quote unquote a lot in this, um, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so we we talked about that and I'm like, well, you know, I know my dad has a CD that has the whole thing on it and it's way more than just that. So why don't I just listen to it? I, I don't even know why I thought that to myself, but I decided I w- went home and I pulled the CD off my dad's gigantic shelf of, of CDs of all genres and I stuck it on while I was doing some homework and, I, and maybe about like three-ish minutes uh, into the third movement where I just, you know, this has been in sixth grade, um, towards the end of sixth grade, and I just so struck by what I was listening to, I just put down my homework and said, wow, I just want to listen to this. Um, it was a very defining moment in my life where I like, wow, classical music is, is amazing. And I suddenly like 
I found, you know, my dad had his collection of 100 masterpieces of classical music, and I started listening to every single moment of that, you know, over and over again. Um, that's kind of how I got to where I am. And interestingly enough, too, in the the musical world, you know, amongst a lot of musicians, that's also not like I, I'm I'm often struck uh, talking to people I play with, you know, out here. That's again not an experience people tend to have. They don't have, know anything about music history uh, until they get to college and they have to take music history classes. A lot of them, you know, they come from an environment where music is very present in their lives, but they just like playing music. And, they, and you know, they may know the name Beethoven, obviously, but they don't, you know, I, they don't know like the, the like, enormous breadth of, of, of Western classical music. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting to me. Some people I, I know some people who, who do as well, but it seems like the majority of people don't have that experience. So I'm all for that kind of education for young kids. Cool, cool. Yeah, my my education was very poor on this matter. It was talked about, but uh, very poor. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I recall similar experience, just like very surface level from being given on this topic. Yeah. Also, yeah. Oh, I, go ahead. I was going to say, and I know that like for the people who went, you know, were in middle school with me, they thought it was the most boring and stupid class in the world. You know, I, I don't know like that it was done necessarily in a way that like would excite the average person. I was just clearly like not the average person. So, somehow this thought popped into my head that I was, yeah, why don't I just listen to the rest of Beethoven's Nine Symphony? I had no idea. I don't know why that thought popped into my head. So clearly I, I was not the average student, but I think if it's done well, you know, I think it's a valuable thing for people to know. For sure. Also, before we do the last one, I, on the fly, invented the chat overlay for the whiteboard when it's not in use for arguing with Reddit, which is awesome. So now we can see the chat during uh, the uh, arguing with Reddit segment. So uh, big unveiling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me pull up the next one. So this one's the one Ben found for himself. Here we go. Yeah, so this is a really long post here, and I'm not going to read through all of it. I'm just going to read through the title, uh, and that gives to give you the idea. Um, I actually started writing out a response to this earlier, and then I realized, you know what? I should I should save this for the show. Um, and if we don't, I'll, I, I'm trying to keep it short, so I may end up adding some more things and writing to this too. But I think it's a fascinating question. So the question is. If Bach birthed the classical era and Beethoven started the Romantic era, who can be credited for starting the modern era? Okay. So user Saturn555 has posted this, and it's a really fascinating question. And, you know, this user has taken a lot of uh, flack in the comments because we can can debate this historically, right? Real quick question. Uh, Uh, When did the modern period start? All right, so that's in fact what right. We have to define what modernism is, right? That's that's a really that's that's right. So we can and and this person has kind of been attacked from multiple angles on this this post. So right, that's one angle. We can ask what modernism is and where the line is. And the problem is that modernism in within quote unquote modernism, right? There are so many strands of of thought and musical, you know aesthetics um and they all you know are coming from different different lineages and go and branch off and further into different places so that so we can we can 
note that that is, is, is a cha challenge to this question. We can note historically that Bach is pretty irrelevant because, you know, during his lifetime, uh, he's pretty much just an organist and not really noted for writing much. Um, it's not until, you know, almost a hundred years after his death uh, that there starts to be this real sense that he was an important composer. Um, so in, in his lifetime, not influential terribly. Um, his children are important for um, kind of going into this era, which, again, you know, it's really hard to say, like, how, how these eras, as easy as, as, as it, we might make it sound in that hypothetical, uh, you know, music education class we were just talking about, um, the dividing lines are really, really not neat because it's like in any genre of art, right, you know, intellectual ideas happen in different times and different places and lead to different things. So we get this like, Rococo strain that's happening in France and also kind of impacts England. Um, and that's, you know, what his son C.P.E. Bach starts out as, and he kind of brings us into the classic, classical era proper. Um, so Bach himself is not the most, you know, not really the composer who's kind of pushing everyone into the classical era. He is definitely almost kind of back a little bit backwards looking even within his own time. And Beethoven starting the Romantic era, well, that's a popular way of phrasing it. Um, but, you know, we we could get into all sorts of historical questions about that. And, you know, he's living at the same time as Schubert. I think Schubert is in some ways more romantic than he is. You know, what is romanticism? That's a, another fantastic question. But you ask, this person is asking about modernism. And, um, the person kind of complains a little bit that people are just only interested in tearing apart uh, their, their initial premise and not actually answering the question. So I'm going to answer your question, but not in the way that you are expecting. My answer is uh, who started the modern era and you know, musical composition? And my answer is, if I have to give you one name, it's Friedrich Nietzsche. Okay. And number two, if I have to give you a second one, Karl Marx. Okay, not composers. Although Nietzsche has a you know very important relationship that eventually shatters uh, with Wagner, but not a composer. And the reason I say this is because, you know, in some ways, in many ways, you know, we, we can also just look to the general idea that like you know the, the great man theory that right certain individual geniuses shape history. Um, and I, I don't think that's generally the best way of thinking about it. But if people do have big impacts, it's generally not the artists, but the people who come up with the ideas that drive generations. Right? And Nietzsche is very important for bringing in the modern era with his thoughts. Feel however you want about it, disagree with him, love his ideas, whatever. Marx as well. Uh, for, you know, a different sort of um, kind of philosophy. These, the two people, kind of the end of the um, Romantic era proper in Germany, uh, who are kind of presenting ideas that drive much of continental Europe um, going, in, going forward in the next generations. And, you know, this is important to note because I, I, I think this in general, you know, composers respond to their times um, and they do respond to each other's works, but they don't necessarily, they're not, most composers are not sitting around thinking, well, I'm going to do this new stylistic thing 
just because some other composer is doing it. They're doing it because it's the atmosphere of the era, right? These composers, they're all reading these these thinkers, and that is, that is quite evident if you study their lives. Um, so I think you know Nietzsche and and Marx are people who really shape what we consider the era of modernism uh, proper, uh, even though they you know are they precede it, but they allow modernism to sort of begin and with all the attendant you know strains of what modernism is, right? Um, so that's my answer to that question. Not a composer, two philosophers. That makes complete sense to me because I could say very similar things about the film world, except the film world is younger. So it has a lot uh, of interesting other things that, that sort of permeate because of its, uh, its youth in comparison. So uh, yeah, totally agree that philosophers are probably more important than even the iterations upon prior generations of artists and et cetera. So yeah, I guess that's it for our hot takes this week. So yeah, if you're listening to this po- in post, this is a fast round because we went on a beautiful long interview with uh, the folks at uh, Catholic Game Reviews. And if you want to check that out, you just got to go to our podcasts um, or our YouTube or our Rumble and uh, find that video that came out just before this one. Uh, and uh, what I'll be talking about in the next segment is black and white movies. Uh, so with that, see you next week. Look, tell a man no trouble. I don't want beef, man. I just want vibes. Big man like me, no need for the telephone hype. I got too much getting online. One rule, then dead I'm on sight. Wrong move, I bet they gon' ride. No need for the telephone hype, nah. No need for the snoozing. Big whip outside, I'm cruising. Big stick inside, no losing. Better watch out for the snake and Judas's. Don't ask them who this is. I bet they know where I'm moving in. I bet I show it into a dim. How you hate and then lose again? How you hating my vibes? Why you wasting my time? Getting hype on my line. Tell a man I don't want feedback. I just want relax. Brand new whip, two-tone. I need that brand new hit. You know, like lean back, brand new bits. I live in. We back, man. You never gonna like us. Get them on sight now. Let them on light. That way they know I'm all righteous. Look at my life. I'm living all right. I'm nice. You know I'm all right. Cause looking like Christ. No need for the hype or fight or telephone vipers. No need for the telephone vipers.